0: But glasses actually lead you down a path of deteriorating vision because they are like a crutch. They're like, I call them the pills for the eyes.
1: Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Claudia Mullenbig. Today we'll discuss ways to naturally improve your vision and hear her thoughts on readers, glasses, LASIK eye surgery, and even eye drops. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Lock Deputy Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Claudia Mullenweg, who is the founder of Holistic Vision, LLC, and creator of the Naturally Clear Vision Method. She always hated her glasses and has made it her mission to help others see clearly, naturally, just like she has done. Claudia is a sought-after international speaker and workshop leader. She focuses on finding the root cause of her client's blurry vision instead of using symptomatic treatments like glasses, contacts, or surgery that can actually make their eyesight worse in the long term. And we're going to talk about that today. So welcome to the show, Claudia. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell us your story. Obviously, you have an accent, so you may not be from here. (laughs) So I want to know what brought you to the United States and what brought you to found Holistic Vision, LLC. All right. So my vision
0: story doesn't have that much to do with my countries, but I will definitely love to include that. So I am from Hamburg, Germany, and I got my first pair of glasses at age three. And I don't remember that early stage, but what I do remember is that I hated them. And once I started school, I got bullied and teased and they made my life miserable. I really felt like I was an outsider. I got more shy. And um, eventually I was able to get rid of them, um, which is, I think in hindsight, I contributed to luck and playing handball and being outside and not being able to wear my glasses. And then when I got into my high school years, my vision got blurry again. And I was like, I was so freaked out because my life, suddenly I went from like the, you know, the four eye girl, like the one that was not even in the nerd club because nerds didn't exist then. I was just a loser. So like, you know, you have pretty eyes so i found a book i was determined i everybody thought i was crazy like there's no way you can do and pull your eyesight. so i found this book and i stayed out of glasses until my mid-30s and at that point i had moved to los angeles with my future ex-husband <laughs> our marriage ended in divorce and i was so I of glasses free in my 20s and my early 30s and then that stress and you know i mean we can we will talk about more about that but my vision declined i was back in glasses and after a few years, noticing how quickly my vision declined, I had this epiphany. I'm like, I did this before, like and I literally still got that book out and I started doing some of the practices and eventually found a teacher and so on. But yeah, in, in my early 40s, I stopped wearing glasses for good.
1: So you're on a mission to not wear glasses. So what about today? Are you currently wearing glasses? Or are you out of glasses or work? I'm 61 now. So
0: it's almost been 20 years where I haven't worn any glasses. And I'm determined to never wear them for the rest of my life. And I do want to be
1: at least 100 years old. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So
1: you're gonna to have to tell us your secret. What is the secret in this book that you read and found? Does this have anything to do with eye exercises? And this
0: is probably the most common question about, you know, eye exercise. Really, if anything, you would should call it relax exercises because our vision is best when we are relaxed. And when I usually ask my clients, have you noticed that your vision varies? Most people will say yes. You know, when you're stressed, when you're sleep deprived, when you're worried, when you maybe when you're sick, you your vision will not be as good. Is when you are happy, relaxed, joyful, and also obviously using your eyes in the way they were designed to be used. So relaxation, And that sounds maybe a little like generally speaking, but when you're relaxed, you know, also your peripheral vision is open. So you're, when you're in that parasympathetic nervous system state, which we should be in unless we are actually, there's a reason to be stressed, right? That's your vision is best. So that's kind of what you have to consistently make sure that you're staying in that state unless there's a good reason not to be relaxed.
1: It's interesting you say that because right before we recorded, I'm obviously at my, my clinic, my practice, and I walked up front to hand a patient chart to one of my staff members. And she said, who are you interviewing? And I, I said, you know, this woman whose name I may not be able to pronounce. <laughs> Although I did an okay job with that. Um, she asked what the topic was. And I said, you know, natural ways to improve your vision. And she said, well, I have 20-20 vision. And I said, of course you do, because this is my employee. Her name is Heather, who practices hypnobirthing. She teaches hypnobirthing. She's great at keeping her body in that relaxed state. And I guarantee that has something to do with her clear vision, kind of echoing what you just said, she's able to always stay in that state. And I guarantee that's helping her with her vision. I, on the other hand, I'm not not as good at keeping my body at that relaxed state. So maybe let's go back, though, for a moment to eye exercises. So I know you um, were on Dave Asprey's podcast, which is amazing. So congratulations on that. And you talked about some things that we can do for our vision, like one of which was this kind of cupping exercise. Can you tell us some tips to improve our vision? So some of those things that you mentioned on his show. I know this is hard to convey, you know, while listeners are not watching, they're just listening, but let's do our best kind of giving us some, I guess, strategies to help with improving our vision. Absolutely. So if you really think about
0: the simple level, right? Eyes need light because at the end of the day, they're light receivers, right? This is how our ears are sound receivers. Eyes are light receivers. So they need light and they need rest, just like everything else in our body. And they need movement. The cupping you were talking about, we call that palming, and it 's basically a way to rest your well cupping i 've heard people say that too, but basically it 's a way to rest your eyes, however it 's also a way to relax your mind that 's why i don 't like the word eye exercises because let's say you're working on your abs and you 're doing planks or crunches or whatever right You can hate every minute of it and you 're doing your hundred and your abs will get stronger. But with vision, it's like, it's not like a mechanical thing or I'm closing my eyes and palming my eyes. And I will describe in a moment how to do that. It's not like, okay, I sit here for five minutes at my timer, but I'm like, oh, in my mind, I'm going through like all the stuff I have to do today. And, you know, because your nervous system and your brain is in that monkey mind or that stress mode, you're not going to be able to relax. So it's really almost more the mental practice than just a pure physical one. That's why the word eye exercises... You know,
1: especially not have, the best way to
0: say okay, that. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I know that's what everybody says. So palming is basically a way, like I said, to rest your eyes and also relax your mind and you close your eyes and the way you do it, you close your eyes and some people like to rub their hands together, especially if you have cold hands, you want to rub them a little bit and then you, you cup your hands. That's probably why you're thinking of cupping. So, and then you cover your closed eyes you're crossing your fingers over your forehead and then the, the heels of the hands sit kind of on the bony part of your eye socket. And ideally you want to have a, a support for your elbows so that you can relax your shoulders. You take a few deep breaths. And this is where it's really almost more like a meditative practice because you really want to deeply relax your mind as your eyes get heavier. There's nothing to do, nothing to see. And what I usually recommend is you can just watch your breath, notice your breathing, in and out, into the belly. Or you can bring up a happy thought, like a place you love, a person you love, could be a real person or place or could be something imagined. You're really just like, as you know, like think of a little mini vacation. You're like, And then you enjoy the darkness, the warm cocoon, a little cave or however you want to call it. Like I like to think of a floating tank. My eyes can deeply relax. And then we're not going to do this for a long time here on this podcast. You can obviously stay longer, but the way to come out of it is you would keep your eyes closed and then you slowly move your hands away. And then you want to wait till you get adjusted to the light, because especially if you've doing this for a while, right? You notice how bright it is when you just move your hands away. And then when you're ready to come back to planet Earth, you are. I like to like blink my eyes five times quickly and, and then squeeze my eyes gently five times. And you might feel that your eyes feel lubricated and kind of refreshed and reborn. I do the five squeezes and then. You will find that your eyes, mine are really lubricated now, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how often should we be doing, I don't want to say the word exercise, but how (laughs) often should we be doing these relaxed exercises?
0: (laughs) So this is a question also, totally a legit question. So what I usually say, once you notice how your vision fluctuates, what I talked about in the beginning, which I call strains and gains, like what makes your vision worse what makes it better? And most people are like, oh, light, computer use. But I'm also digging a little deeper. Like, is it tasks that you like doing? Is it tasks that you hate doing? Like, just notice all these things. And once you know your patterns, let's say your vision is best in the morning, but maybe it's not so good in the afternoon, Palming would be a way that you can use preventative. So before you even feel eye strain, or maybe before you get in the computer, and obviously you can use it as a remedy. So some people like to do it like once or twice, maybe in the morning or the evening. Some people just like to do it once. And for, if you have a lot of eye strain and your eyes always feel tired, it might be great to do it like five times a day. And I, I liken this um, pee and palm, like maybe every time you go to the bathroom, right? You You do like just a couple of deep breaths and rest your eyes. So yeah, there's really no cookie cutter formula. What works best?
1: I like that. That's funny because many times my patients who maybe they're nurses and they work 12-hour shifts and they just don't get any downtime except when they're in the bathroom. And I say, take a long bathroom break and do some deep breathing to help your cortisol come down. They can also cover their eyes, rest their eyes, exactly. I guess, when they're on, exactly. on the toilet. So I like that. Um, what are some other strategies? So
0: I mentioned light. So one of the other things that's important for good vision is light. And I noticed that, you know, when you are very light sensitive, obviously the eyes are the light receiver. So there's a challenge if you cannot tolerate light, like how can you then properly see? So a practice that I teach um, that is part of the method is called sunning. And there's all different kind of levels of doing this. But the basic one would be, So close your eyes and you would face the sun. And if you're really light sensitive, you would do it in the morning or in the evening, not in the middle of the day. And you close your eyes and you basically just turn your head side to side, you know, facing the sun. You can even start with the back to the sun. Your eyes are closed. And it's really a nice way to relax your neck also. And just moving through like the middle, you know, when the sun, when you're in center, the, the sun is brightest. And when you turn to the side, the eyes turn to the side is a little bit in the shade that practices the pupillary reaction. So behind the closed eyelids, your pupil is actually getting a little massage because the again, when the eye is in the, in the side in the shade, the pupil will open up a little bit. So this really helps Reducing light sensitivity helps with vision and also with night driving. I used to be super light sensitive. I wore glasses on overcast days. I wore them sunglasses. I mean, and my night driving was a challenge because the headlights of cars were just too bright for me. And when I started doing this practice and I also did sunglasses, which is another thing I recommend. And there's all kinds of exceptions, of course. But generally speaking, I'm not wearing sunglasses anymore. And that really helped my night vision. I don't have any more problems driving at night.
1: So this is interesting because before we started recording, I, I briefly mentioned to you that I do have, I would say a strong light sensitivity. I mean, even in the morning when it is overcast and I'm walking the dog, I have my sunglasses on. Although after hearing you last couple mornings, I did go out without sunglasses and it's kind of hard at first, like my eyes kind of struggle, but then I felt like I adapted and just kind of got on with the with the walk and I was okay. So are you saying doing these exercises, you're saying physically look towards the sun. With your eyes closed turn your head to the left and the right that's going to help reduce my light sensitivity is that what you're saying yeah and then i
0: mean like i said there's different levels and you when that feels good then you can open the eyes on the side then uh, we teach something called strobing where you know you kind of fan your fingers like really quickly right and then you would be you know so you create kind of a flickering strobing effect so there's all these different levels that I teach, but what I also recommend is wearing a cap or wearing a hat. And unless you're like skiing or it's like extreme conditions on the ocean, or you have certain eye conditions, in that case, you know, you definitely. Or if you take any photosensitizing drugs, you definitely should wear sunglasses. But generally speaking, you know, like you said, you really like we've been told it's so bad, but then our pupils never
1: get to work out if we never let them experience light, right? So is that why sunglasses are bad? So essentially you're saying ditch the sunglasses to improve your vision. So I don't mean to put words in your mouth but are you saying the sunglasses are blocking our this kind of our people's ability to like exercise and
0: Yeah, so basically and also you know I mean I there's another podcast I love in science is now we know how important even hormone regulation is. And light on the skin and sunlight into the eyes. I mean, that's the only part of the brain that's kind of open where you can look right. So we do need light, just not for not just vitamin D. So many functions in our life. Like I said, hormone regulation. You know, studies have shown that if you go out, expose your skin and your eyes to the light you know, 20 minutes, several times a day that your testosterone and testosterone level are healthier and better. And that, you know, so, I mean, we've, and also interesting studies I found. So our brain determines, you know, when it comes to tanning, our brain determines how much melanin to secrete based on the light input from the eyes. Now you wear these dark sunglasses and the brain thinks, oh, it's not actually that bright. So you get sunburned actually quicker when you wear these sunglasses, so I always think nature is really smart. It designed our eyes in a way, and again, I want to make sure there is exceptions, right? So definitely don't throw them away, and like so definitely make sure, especially if your pupils don't constrict properly, you definitely need sunglasses. And maybe don't go again extreme conditions, but yes, we need
1: light in our eyes actually to be healthy. Interesting. Okay, so you talked about ditching sunglasses. What about regular glasses? So, what's the problem with regular glasses, contacts, and then I want your opinion on LASIK eye surgery. I'll start with
0: glasses. <laughs> okay, so glasses and contacts are kind of in a similar category, but you know, we call them corrective lenses. But when you think about it, they don't correct anything. So I always compare this to like you break a bone, let's say you break a leg, you know. So then you get a cast and then the cast makes sure that your bones correct that you know that the bones are corrected and once that's done you get rid of the cast you do some physical therapy some strengthening and then you're back to you know ideally what what you were before but glasses actually lead you down a path of deteriorating vision because they are like a crutch they like I call them the pills for the eyes they don't address the root cause and they allow you to strain and have bad habits. And we haven't talked about blinking, for instance, like they kind of give you clear vision without the feedback that, Hey, maybe, you know, you're not doing it right. Maybe you're staring, you're, you're straining your eyes, you know, all these things, all these bad habits that you might be employing, but you still get rewarded with clarity. And that's why your vision gets worse and worse and worse when you start wearing glasses.
1: Yeah, that's me. I feel like my vision just continued to decline. I, um, uh... And my prescription, you know, they say, oh, your vision will stabilize in your 20s. And mine just kept getting worse and worse and worse. But I felt like the minute I wake up, I put my contacts in and I wear them until bedtime, maybe wear my glasses. And then the last thing I do is take my glasses off at night. So I'm not really allowing my eyes to work, per se. I had a prior guest on last year and he was saying, you, he was also saying you can improve your vision, but he's saying you got to not wear your glasses and not yeah, wear your contacts. Yeah. And I said, but I can't see without them. <laughs> he said, that's okay. Your vision will get worse, but you you need to not have that crutch 24-7. So I assume you w- would agree with that.
0: Yeah. So basically what I teach to my students, like, first of all, really important. And I'm, I don't know if you're near, I'm assuming you're nearsighted, meaning you're struggle struggling. Yes. Distance. So for instance, when you get those contacts, and especially when you're younger, you usually get single distance contacts, meaning they measure you for 20 feet, but now you're spending, and I see you in the office, you're spending the majority of the day on the computer or looking, maybe you never look further than like say 10 feet away. So that's already overcorrecting you. So in that case, wearing contacts for like computer distance and if needed, putting glasses on top for driving, right? If you need that additional strength and I get everybody, here's my my take on this. You want to reduce your diopters, and that depends on where, how corrected you are right now to the level, if you have good habits, if you're breathing, if you're blinking, if you're staying relaxed, your vision is clear, but when you strain, when you don't breathe right, when you do all the bad habits you get the blur and that's like the engine light. That's like, hello, hello. You know, maybe you should take a break to palm your eyes. So basically you want to allow for your eyes to improve, but also to get feedback that something that you're doing is either good or not good. So that's how I see this basically. Yeah, we got glasses. Not everybody can just throw their glasses away and, you know, function. So it's important to kind of go step step by step down. And for some people that might just be a quarter less, but yeah, we really look at the scenario exactly. What are you doing with your eyes all day? What do you need to your vision? You know, where do you need clear vision most of the day? Close up or far away? If you're a truck driver, that's a different scenario than... You know, I'm working on the computer, for instance.
1: My instinct every year when I go to the eye doctor, like every year he asks, you know, is this more clear or is this more clear? Like, I know he's testing to see if I need to go up and my instinct has always been, just don't give me more power. Give me the the least, you know, whatever they call it, power. Because I I just feel like that's a bad thing to continue. I feel like it is like taking a drug or blood pressure medication where they keep just going up and up and up and up without really getting to the root cause of the problem. So I've always asked for less power and now I know that that was wise for me to not let him just, you know, increase my prescription. It's crazy how we have accepted this and pay so much money for, you know, and I'm not,
0: again, I'm friends with many eye doctors, but generally speaking, like how have we accepted this as a form of treatment that makes our condition worse? To me, this is just insanity.
1: (laughs) I don't think people realize that it makes their condition worse. They just think this is what I have to do. I don't have other options. And then today you're giving us those other options. So what about LASIK eye surgery? So
0: now that you know that diopters, first of all, I want everybody listening Noticing how your vision varies, and again, if you're in the, if you are like you and your contacts all day, you might not notice this as much. But most people would agree, like if they're really stressed out or sleep deprived, that their vision is not as clear as, let's say, they're on vacation. So once you notice, you know that, and your vision varies can vary from within seconds. You know, you might be relaxed and then you hear about a scary noise, or you are like, and you're in the shock mode. So this everybody's nervous system changes all the time. So everybody's vision varies. And now you get measured. And first of all, who finds an eye exam relaxing, right? Usually the measurements are worse. That's when you get your new glasses and you're like, hold on, they're too strong. And then the eye doctor usually says, oh, you just get used to them but you make your vision worse. Now that you know how much it fluctuates, even if you were to go to an eye doctor every day of the week, you would get slightly different measurements every time. And like you said, they say this or this. So now knowing, first of all, now they measure you and, and then they cut this into your cornea, it cannot be changed. And knowing that if you're sight they correct you for the 20 feet, but now you're working, let's say the majority of the day on this close-up distance within 10 years, maybe I think the longest I've heard, maybe 12 years, you're going to be wearing reading glasses if you're nearsighted on top of your mindless because you can't change the contact lens. It's engraved into your cornea. And one more thing, most people, and again, I know some happy people with LASIK, but I always say, talk to me in 10 years. Most of people have really dry eyes. There's also... Yeah, why of that is that? Effect. Why I heard that too, but why is that? Well, because of the cut in the cornea so that, mm. you know, you're kind of interfering with the natural system. There's a tear film covering your cornea so basically, just 10 seconds of not blinking you know, interferes with a tear film and makes it thinner. I don't know the exact reasons why that is common. And some people have it, some people don't. But I've worked with lots of people that had LASIK. And we got everybody out of these expensive prescription eye drops with good vision habits. Everybody wants that quick fix like people like the pills, right? But you and I are doing this work where our clients don't want the quick fix. They want to actually address the root cause With vision, there is no shortcut. There is no quick fix. All of these things might feel like a quick fix for the moment, but they're not going to last and they make it worse over the long term.
1: So let's stay on the topic of dry eyes for a minute. So aside from dry eye, post LASIK surgery, what about just dry eyes in general? So a lot of patients I know are using, I especially see a lot of women in menopause who have dry eyes, right? And correcting their hormones can help improve some of that, but they're using a lot of eye drops. So it sounds like maybe you're not a fan of those. So are you saying even dry eye that's not caused by LASIK, need for like drops can reduce with, I hate saying exercises, Whoa. eye hygiene. Should we call it eye hygiene? What
0: do we call it? Um, I call them vision practices or habits actually. So yeah, I mean, you <laughs> talked about hormones. So definitely hormones. In fact, uh, I've been in menopause for 10 years now. My eyes have not gone drier and I've not never done hormone replacement therapy. And this is where it comes down, like the blinking, I was saying, you know, you might notice if you see this, if you don't do the listening, I blink a lot. So blinking, like again, blinking, um, and one of my best friends who passed away two years ago, not from COVID, 101 years old, never had glasses, both his parents had glasses, he blinked about every second. So every two to three seconds, it just keeps your your bit relaxed, you're not staring, and also it lubricates your eyes. The second thing is the cupping or the palming that we did. So that is a really great way to lubricate your eyes. Again, you might need hormone replacement. Maybe you need bioidentical hormones. And then also the um, omega-3 fatty acids are really important. And it's not just water. So eating a really good diet, all those things usually help, really help with dry eyes.
1: Are you saying you almost have to train yourself to blink more frequently? Does this have to do with staring at screens all day that we're not blinking? Or why are we not blinking how we need to be blinking?
0: That's what I always say with the eye movements that I teach and the blinking and the breathing. All these things happen automatically, but we can also consciously improve them. Just like we can improve our breath. Initially, I had stickers on my computer reminding myself to blink. And now when I do an Instagram reel or something and I'm throwing like staring, it actually hurts my eyes so much to just not blink for 10 seconds. And I've seen people playing video games, not blink for over a minute. Initially, like you said, you kind of have to practice this and remind yourself, but it will become really easily automatic. Like I cannot even undo this anymore. It's, just, it's like any change right, in your body. Like once you clean up your diet and you eat some meal that you used to love, like fried food or sugary dessert, and you're like, oh, my God, my stomach hurts so much now, you know, because you you're really trained yourself to live a healthier life.
1: I'm going to ask another question on the, this eye drop topic. And so I keep thinking because I have a hormone clinic and eye drops tend to come stored in plastic, I wonder about plastics leaching into the eye drops. I'm essentially getting at: Could there be toxins or endocrine disrupting chemicals or whatnot in all these eye drops? They're loaded with preservatives. Like, do we know long-term side effects? I understand they're kind of like a band-aid, just like glasses. But do we know long-term side effects of eye drop use? Are there any studies on that?
0: I honestly don't know about that. But what I do know, like you're absolutely right, plastics can leach and preserve. You don't want if you do take eye drops. I always blank on the name as a Swiss similar, uh, something like that, because I'm not a big eye drop person, but they are really like they are free of preservatives and they don't last a long time. But he, see, I definitely want to say if you have super dry eyes, because I had some students they heard me, oh don't, they just threw the eye drops away, now they got really dry eyes. Your eyes have to be moist because otherwise you scratch your cornea and you can make it worse. The LASIK students or other people I worked with that had eye drops, we went from three times a day, lots of palming, lots of blinking, to two times a day. And then eventually, so it's not like you just toss them out. However, if you take eye drops, you know, you basically your, your natural tear production is going to be reduced. So it's slowly weaning off. And yes, preservative free, the highest quality. And I don't I like if you take eye drops for glaucoma or certain conditions definitely don't take those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying the fake tears, like that stuff. Yeah, I'm 100% sure that those preservatives and those plastics will cause um, effects and cataracts, you know, are often created by toxins and things. But I definitely don't know. I don't know any
1: studies on that. So that's
0: a good one for me to investigate.
1: Yeah, I just, I've always been curious. When, let's go back to screens for a second. So is vision decline unavoidable in with individuals who are constantly staring at screens? I mean, I know these can't be good for our vision, but what is your thought on that? I think it really comes down to good habits. So screens are definitely going to
0: make it more challenging because they're usually backlit unless you have like a Kindle or some of those e-readers that are like faking paper. It's harder for the eyes to look at a pixel then that's a backlit screen than on a printed material that's reflected. So that is definitely more. That's where the peripheral vision comes. And it's really important. Good vision is always the central focus and the combination of the peripheral field, which we only have when we are relaxed. So that's why in the peripheral, you want bright things. Maybe you want even moving things. You want to keep your vision relaxed. So that's why screens are even more important to have good habits. So that they don't, you know, and studies have shown that people blink a lot less, like we mentioned earlier, when you look at screens, people only blink two to three times per minute, versus when people looked at each other's eyes, for instance, like, you know, human interaction, there's a lot more blinking happening. It's like a softer gaze. So that's where once you understand and you practice these things, you have to be extra vigilant with screens, for sure.
1: But definitely reading a book, like a paper book sounds like is just better, absolutely, than reading something on the computer.
0: Yeah, and you know, I don't have one of those, but those are probably better than uh, an iPad or a tablet or a computer and um, just really having good vision habits. So, vision decline is not inevitable. It's like what you teach too, right? A lot of people say, Oh, this and this is inevitable, and you're going to struggle with all these things. You just need to know, again, when you address the root cause. None of this stuff is inevitable. And yes, we do get older. We all get more wrinkles. So you have to be even more conscientious and maintain your vision as you get older, right? You have to, you can't slack off and do all the bad stuff that you might have been able to do in your 20s, right? That's like, like everything else in our bodies. We have to be more vigilant, really, and, and care more about our bodies and our eyes.
1: Let's talk about vision habits because I, I maybe this maybe you said this on Dave Asprey's podcast something like you know we brush our teeth we take time for our teeth twice a day like every single day but how often are we taking time for our eyes right so let's come back to these vision habits you've mentioned so one is the palming I definitely see myself already blinking more and my eyes are like already less dry I feel like in the last so couple awesome. minutes because I feel maybe it's the placebo effect I don't know so blinking more would be a good habit. What are other do's and don'ts for good eyesight? So what are the other good vision habits, but a few that you can share with us?
0: So yeah, for instance, shifting your attention. I like to call it shifting my attention. So yes, looking near and far, when you think about our evolution, we were never meant to look at one distance for a long time for instance we have found in studies that humans can concentrate for about three minutes and it's not because of screen this has always been the way because when you think think about prehistoric times let's say you were sitting in a group camp and you were like sewing or you were weaving baskets or whatever you would naturally look up just to make sure as every are uh, my kids are like human you you know, predator coming like you, you wouldn't just spend like eight hours looking up close without shifting your attention and your peripheral vision so that's a good habit, shifting your attention. Other thing that's really important with vision is we, like the mistake that people with poor vision usually make, our eyes are designed. We have a very small spot in the center of our retina called the fovea. That's where we have perfect vision. And you've all remember the diagrams from school, how the light rays come in and then they get bundled. And so the pinpoint of perfect clarity is super tiny, like a pinhead. So when you look at a letter, even in small print, basically the next letter is not going to be as clear Of course, a letter that's at the end of the sentence in the book is, you know, you can't even see that one. So that's why the eye movement comes in and really being aware that wherever you look, you see things best, even if they're not clear. And wherever, you know, let's say something in the periphery is, yes, I can see that. I can see my whole screen. I can see my water bottle and I can see everything else. But when I look at your right eye, for instance, I cannot even see your left eye as clearly because I would have to move my attention. So that's a really important principle is that central vision versus peripheral vision and of course peripheral vision is not just the outer edges even the middle or the near periphery is not seen as well and then also mindset is one that is I think really big I hear a lot of people oh I'm blind without my glasses I'm like oh so really you can't see me oh no no I can see you you're just not clear I'm like okay so you're not really blind you know a lot of times the language is really language is so powerful so that's probably a few good tips
1: What's wrong with cheaters? We talked about glasses, but what if someone hasn't really needed glasses until they were, you know, like my parents' age, right? So they're now they're suddenly needing cheaters. They've had a good vision their whole life and now they feel like they need cheaters. Is that a problem?
0: Yes. So cheaters are usually referred to as the readers. And by the way, I want to make sure that the drugstore readers or the cheaters are not going to screw up your vision more than a $500 pair of readers from your eye doctor, right? That is fancy. And uh, <laughs> So here's the problem because... Now you're straining your eyes at the near point. And yes, looking up close is more effort for the eyes and the brain. So the eye muscles have, for those of you, if you see the video, you know, the two eyes have to kind of converge. The inner eye muscles have to pull the eyes in kind of toward the nose, you know, kind of coming in, converging. And your lens has to get that bulgy and the ciliary muscle tighten. So there is more muscular action looking up close to comparing to the distance. distances where the eyes are relaxed. Now, as you get older, yes, we do, you know, it's like how we lose some flexibility in our bodies. So practicing this is important, but the cheetahs now basically magnify everything. You can still use your bad habits. And here's what happens to every single person. And they don't believe it. It's always like, oh, welcome to the club. You're 45 or you're 50. We all have readers. There's nothing you can do. And then you start wearing them in dim light or in like, you know, you wear like the plus ones a little bit. And then you start to one and a half before you know it. And then you're in the plus two and then you use them for everything. And then you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, well, your distance vision, that was always 2020, 2015. That was like you were so proud of your eagle vision, right? Now your distance vision is declined and you were like 2030, 20, 2040, 20, you need progressives or bifocals, and that happens to every single person. So if you care about and then you have no clarity at any distance. So you went from eagle eye to like basically completely handicapped without glasses. And to me that's just not how I want to live my life. I call
1: the readers the gateway drug. You know uh, <laughs> so you're saying instead of opting for those cheaters or readers opt for more of the what did we call it the vision habits right because you probably had good vision habits all your life and as i said as you get older
0: yes it's very common to lose or like struggle with the near vision but if you know what you're doing if you do the practices that you know that you can that i teach or others teach that you know the good habits and a little bit of improving your near vision then it it's also a mental focus point like what i find also when we get older sometimes we don't want to look up stuff, like especially farsighted people. And if you read us, I usually, that's a form of farsightedness called presbyopia or old age side. I was farsighted. I, my story was I was farsighted as a kid, like, you know, really farsighted. But a lot of times, if you're a farsighted personality, you might be helping everybody else out there. But when it comes to looking at your own stuff, you're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. So maybe also being a little bit more coming into yourself and looking at yourself and, you know, how you feel about yourself. How do you feel about the rest of your life? Are you excited? I find that people that love their work have less presbyopia than people that are counting down the days to retirement. And they're just kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire, but I just can't wait to retire. I just don't know what
1: (laughs) I'm going to do. I'm going to ask a personal question here. And I don't know if you have the answer for this either, but postpartum, my vision went so wonky. I mean, it was absolutely nuts. And I've heard patients say that their vision went wonky, but I mean, it was terrible. And I went to several eye doctors who kept giving me different prescriptions Some too strong, some not strong enough. And they just said your eyes will adjust. And with time, it took a long time, my eyes did. But is there anything you know I hope that doesn't happen again, right? (laughs) Because now I do have a worse prescription than I did prior to delivering my son. Is there anything else that I should have been doing during that time when we have kind of these situational, you know, life events that can impact our vision? Obviously the vision habits that you're sharing today, but is there any light you want to shed on that kind of postpartum what may have happened or? Anything I could have done differently?
0: Yeah, so I'm definitely not an expert in postpartum situation, but here's the thing: I had two kids, two daughters, right? And after my second one, I was definitely baby was born. I was like, okay, I and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I definitely felt super stressed. You know, you are sleep deprived, huge hormone shifts happening. So I think give yourself the grace. To know that you're going through it, like, and that's traumatic. Not in the, that trauma is not always bad, but it's a huge shift in your life, huge adjustment, and not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional. You're suddenly a mother, you know, you might not feel good about that, but everybody, you can't even share that because everybody would be like, oh, you don't want Nick, like, you know, postpartum depression is a real thing. When you are really depressed, you know, it doesn't matter if it's postpartum or depression your outlook on life is going to be affected and your vision is going to be affected by that. So there's, I always talk about mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, there's all these aspects that affect your vision. So it's definitely, you know, it's, it's like this kind of perfect storm, right? If you're a new mom, it's like this perfect storm of all these factors kind of coming together into this huge <laughs> ball of
1: stress, good and bad. Yeah, we had a very traumatic delivery and was in the hospital for a while and had to go back at work at four weeks, you know, even though I was barely functioning. And so I I think shedding light on the situation and the stress just didn't help in general. And now I have more strategies to improve my vision, so I don't have to keep up. And also here is the thing No, when I moved, when I went through my
0: divorce and when I moved back to Germany, I moved back to America... My vision was lost during this time, but I knew I was going through a major life change and major stress. And I just knew, hey, I, this is okay. You know, I, I acknowledge that I'm going through this, even if I can't rest as much as I want to, but knowing that this is temporary and that you are so versus just thinking, oh, now something is wrong with me. I think this is really important for everybody to know that this is normal that your vision when you're in these extreme stressful times that your vision will not be as good.
1: And I I wish I would have known that. Of course, I immediately thought, I gotta go change my prescription. But I, I, so I appreciate hearing that. Are there any other tips you want to share with my listeners uh, as we wrap up the show that they can do to improve their vision? Anything we didn't say today that you want to add?
0: Yes, that's one that we didn't talk about. But I think it's super important. So, this is the, the astigmatism, which is kind of this oh, I have an astigmatism. So, astigmatism, just really quickly, basically means that your cornea is not like a, a basketball, kind of a dome shape, but it's more like an American football. So, some muscles on the outer six eye muscles are tighter than others. So, basically, your cornea is not perfectly dome shaped. And research has found, actually done by an optometrist, has found that um, in 85% of the cases, it's a postural. Common correlation. So if you, they actually did studies with orchestra musicians and violinists that have their head tilted. So basically, posture is really important for your vision. And when I look at people's prescription, and by the way, astigmatism is the cylinder, is the diopter, and the axis is the angle of your astigmatism. So usually I can say if they're right or left-handed, what they're doing with their eyes, you know, what they're doing with their posture, a lot of times you can totally look at a prescription and you know the key here is the message to take you away is that you want to move your attention. You want to move your head and your eyes together and not constantly move your eyes. Yes, you can move them a little bit, but you don't. Let's say you're scanning horizontally and you have several monitors and you're always looking right and left without you know, moving your head along, just kind of let your eyes do this you will develop an astigmatism in that 0, 180 degree axis. Or if you have readers, the cheetah's low on your nose and now you're always looking down to read, but then you're moving your eyes up and you don't move your head up, you will probably get an astigmatism in that 90 degree axis. So definitely- So move your head, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but you, you don't want to be like a robot about it, but you want to like, when you think about something happening on the side, you wouldn't be like this, you you know, glancing your eyes over, you would move, your, you would move over and look you know, this is a deep dive topic on its own, but really notice, um, look at your prescription. What does it say in the axis? Is one eye in the cylinder a lot stronger than the other? So let's say your left eye is a lot stronger. Are you right-handed? Do you consistently always glancing to the right with your left eye being further away from the focal point? Then you develop a stronger astigmatism in that eye that's further away from where you're looking.
1: I think that's me right there. Interesting. Interesting. So Tell listeners where they can find you. Do you work with clients and new programs to help them with these kind of vision habits and help them regain their vision? Is that what you do?
0: Yeah, I see only very few private clients these days. So my practice right now is totally full. But good news, I have two, um, basically two main programs. I have a membership too, but I have two main programs. One is called 21 Days to Better Eyesight Experience, which is a, where we really teach the foundation of relaxation, breath, myofascial release, which we haven't talked about, muscle release and vision habits and so on. And that's like a mini course that is really good to do for anybody that's super busy and has maybe five minutes a day, like brushing your teeth. And then naturally clear vision is my comprehensive course where we really do a deep dive look at your eyes that you measure your own vision, you learn how to get weaker prescriptions and we go into the whole different eye conditions. And then those are the my two main courses. And um and then I'll have a membership for anybody who wants to, you know, get regular support.
1: Awesome. I will post links to those in the show notes, but I hear you also have a free gift for our listeners. Yes, I have a free gift. It's called 10
0: Habits for Healthy and Happy Eyes. And in that one, I explain the sunning. I talk about the stigmatism, the posture, the palming, the blinking. And there's a few more things that I have, share in there that I, we haven't talked about yet. So it's a really great way to get started for free to start improving your eyesight.
1: All right, one last question. What would your top longevity tip be?
0: It's really the mindset, in my opinion, because if you consider yourself old and you're like, oh, I'm too old to do this, you know, you're not, you know, maybe you need to modify things, but especially with your vision, don't say that you're old, that you can't see anything. Like be like, I'm young. My eyes are young. I'm
1: keeping my eyes young. That's my top tip. Positive affirmations for the vision. Love it. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing with my listeners how they can improve and keep their vision naturally. This is great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was fun. I appreciated all the vision practices she shared and hope that you'll be able to incorporate them into your daily practice as well. Try shifting your vision versus staring at a screen for a long period of time. Increase your blinking and try palming a few times each day. I definitely agree that taking a high-quality fish oil supplement can help dry eyes, as can optimizing hormone levels. And after we recorded, I did ask her what brand of eye drops she'd recommend if they were absolutely needed that's preservative-free without chemicals. And she mentioned, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but Similasan. It's S-I-M-I-L-A-S-A-N. Made in Switzerland, but available here at most drugstores. I'm definitely going to give those a try. If you want to connect further with Claudia, check out the link of which I'll post in the show notes for both her free gift and her courses. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting.